Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here. Merry Christmas. This is, I guess, our our Christmas Sunday since uh, next week, Sunday is the 26th. Uh, Reminder, we are going to be here Saturday morning uh, for Christmas at 10 o'clock, and then we will be here again next Sunday, the 26th, back-to-back services. How about that? So anyway, yeah, just so you guys... (laughs) Yay! We're so excited. Uh, I know people are still coming in. Let's pause. We're going to pray and we're going to get started. Um, a lot of great things to share with you guys this morning, though. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Once again, the opportunity to be still and acknowledge that you are God and that you are at work and to lean into that work so that it might show up in our lives Father, I pray that you would help us to encourage one another to love and to good deeds that people might see our good works and glorify our Heavenly Father who is in heaven, God, and we are here for that reason to acknowledge you and to lean into what you have for us this day and in our lives. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Randy. Well, a few things uh, we want to announce um, this week, and I just was reminded about this from Jordan. I guess there are new mandates for California that we're supposed to be wearing masks indoors. Um, and so I'm going to leave that into your hands, you guys. Um, you should be wearing masks if possible. We're not going to force anyone to, but we are asking that people comply. Um, I forgot about it. I'm not wearing a mask, so um, sorry about that, and I'm talking at all of you, Um, but I did get my booster Friday, so hey, um, that's a good thing for me, Um, but we just want to be aware of those things because this is a sensitive uh, subject and time that we are living in. Um, And we want to be sensitive to people in all these ways. And we want to have discussion about these. And I'm open for lots of discussion about this. Um, But anyway, I I just start off with that. A couple of things, though. Also, Tuesday, this Tuesday, we have our philosophy and critical thinking taking place this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Jordan's going to be talking on vulnerability. So that's happening 
Tuesday, Saturday morning is Christmas morning. We're going to be here at 10 a.m. We're going to have our Christmas morning gathering. And then Sunday, we're going to have our Sunday gathering. And so that's the way it's going to work this week. We're going to kind of do that. The Christmas gathering is just going to be for like 30 minutes. We are going to just celebrate uh, Christmas together in a short way, uh, but acknowledge just Christ that morning together. And so you guys are invited to come and join us. I know that in the past, move this way. Oh, first full circle, yeah. I know in the past that um, a lot of people have come out to these uh, gatherings. And so it's been a time where a lot of people do like to get together, maybe just because of the holiday. And so that is something we are going to be doing on Saturday. And then also the full circle is going to be taking place on Saturday evening uh, with Jordan at 5 o'clock. Again, it's kind of a community uh, time to get together. I think they have some food and a discussion that's taking place. So those are the things happening this week. I wanted to thank everybody who brought toys in for our toy, toy drive. Say that three times fast, right? We filled the box up with toys for the kids. Again, thank you guys for bringing the toys in. Also, we raised over $1,200 for our tens for teens and helped over 30 teenagers who are in foster care. We're going to be giving some cards out this week for them. The remainder, we gave some out last week, as I shared. Um, But this is just a great way for us to step into this area of our community. And again, thank you guys for uh, those who gave. I know a lot of people who don't even uh, attend Genesis uh, gave money towards this. And it's one of those things that does bring us together, the idea of charity. And so what a, a great testimony that is to be able to get together and do something like this. And I'd love to see things like this continue to happen throughout the year, not just on Christmas. But this is an important statement to make during the holiday season where we want to be people who are not just consumers, but people who are generous. And so again, thanks to all those who contributed to that. And remember, too, that Genesis is here because of your giving. And when you give to keep the lights on, to keep things happening, this is the ways that you can give. You can go to Zell, Venmo, or you could go to the website, thegenesisstory.com, and fill out, and it could be on a continual basis that way. Or you could snail mail it to us. We do get some mail here, and that goes to uh, keep things going here. So again, all these things happening, and thank you. And... I have to apologize. You know, it was, I, I'm one of these people who thinks about things after the fact, right? Like, it's Christmas and there's no decorations. You know, Pat says, where are the Christmas decorations? And I was like, oh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, just thought about that when you mentioned it. So apologies for no Christmas lights up here, no Christmas decorations, um, just out of my mind, but that's not why we're here. The season takes place in our hearts, right? I I think there is a tension that we live in, not just with all the other things happening around us, but a tension for us who are followers of Christ to live into the meaning of, of being a follower of Christ, the meaning of what we'd say, the meaning of Christmas, maybe some would say. And there's the tension of the holiday, and there's the tension of the lives that we lead. 
And sometimes we find ourselves in conflict with, with those things, trying to live into the holiday season and the stress that comes with that and getting all the gifts and making sure all the, the lights are up and the things are done. And in, in that desire, because those things aren't bad to want to do those things in themselves, but those things can be so consuming where pretty soon our lives are just inundated with what we have to do because of the season and what we are supposed to be acknowledging or what we in our calendar, the Christian calendar, focus on can get lost. And that's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you so many times. And that's the tension that we live in. How do we maintain this wanting to lean into what this is about and how this affects us and not be overwhelmed with the holiday. And if you figure it out, um, let me know, because it is a struggle. Uh, Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. As we look at this, I I want to kind of talk about how the struggle has been there, The, the struggle for what we want and the struggle for what we have and what we desire. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, Matthew writes, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, Matthew takes the words of the prophet Isaiah written some 700 years earlier, before Jesus and, and before Christ came, Israel was longing for their Messiah. And in 730 BCE, Judah found itself in this difficult situation. Two nations, Syria and the northern part of Israel, were trying to pressure Judah to side with them so that they could join forces against the Assyrian army. Now, the the Assyrian army was, again, a great nation at that time, and they had a leader who was Tigalith, Polarsir III. I'm just going to call him Tiggy from now on. And they wanted to join forces to go after the king of Assyria, but rather than join forces, Ahaz, the king of Judah, made a treaty with Tiggy, and said, basically, that they would attack the northern kingdom of Israel and Syria. And so you had Israel divided, the nation, to the nation of the north and Judah to the south. The nation of the north was trying to make you know, a, a, an agreement with Syria to attack us, Syria. And then the nation down south, Judah, was making an agreement with Tiggy to go against the other two nations. In Isaiah chapter 7 where Matthew is quoting from, that's what's taking place. And in chapter 7 of Isaiah, beginning at verse 1, it says, In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramulah, the king of Israel, came to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go to meet Ahaz. You and Shir Jeshub, your son, at the end of the conduit in the upper pool on the highway of the washer's field, and say to him, be careful. 
Be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. That would be Israel and Syria. At the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria, the son of Remelah, because of Syria and Ephraim, the son of Remelah, has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabil, the king in the midst. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. And so what's happening is in this moment, there is a great sense of fear. There is a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of insecurity, all happening in the hearts of the people so that their hearts shook like the trees when they are shaken by the wind, wondering what is going to happen. These nations are coming against us. How are we going to defend ourselves? What is going on? And this is a reoccurring theme in Israel's history. And Matthew picks up on that and really kind of continues in this theme, wondering what's happening. How is God going to deliver us? And doesn't that sound familiar even today? Isn't this a a reoccurring human theme? Fear, gripping the hearts. There's a new strain that's spreading faster than the last strain. Our business is going to close. What's going to happen to my family and the people who I care about? Are the schools, restaurants going to shut down? Countries are shaken. Protests are happening because of government mandates. Businesses closing down. Reports that 1,200 people a day are dying because of COVID just in the United States. All these things are happening. We're wrestling with all these things. And there's a lot of insecurity. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of fear that can grip our hearts, especially if you just watch the news. Don't just watch the news. Watch... uh, animal show or something. Make yourselves happy every now and then, right? Nothing wrong with news, but you know what I'm talking about. We can get so inundated that we wonder what's going on. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of what's happening to Israel or to the nation, Israel at the north, Judah at the south. And at Judah's time, of need, Isaiah continues and writes in chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which again means God with us. These words had a twofold meaning. It, it not only meant that God was with them right there and then, but it also became the fuel for their faith that God would be with them in the future as well. It's so interesting because at this time, that name, Emmanuel, started to become very popular in Judah as they started naming their kids Emmanuel just for this idea of this hope, this promise. Isn't that interesting? That when we take this idea of hope that we want to give it away, 
And those of you who've had children, I, I, I don't know about you guys, the stress of naming your kids, trying to get the right name, because you don't want to get the wrong name, right? They're going to make fun of them in school. They'll, they'll have that nickname, and you're trying to think of the right names. I remember when we were having the twins, and we had to think of two names, and we didn't know if they were going to be boys or girls, so we had to think of four names because we didn't want to know for some reason, right? And so we're all thinking, what names are we going to do? And we had all these different names picked out. And it was really a stressful time because there's something important. This, this name is going to be carried with them the rest of their life, and we want it to be meaningful. And so the name Emmanuel was given to so many of the children at that time because it had such meaning to them. In chapter 8 of Isaiah, verse 9, Isaiah continues and he writes, Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand for Emmanuel. For God is with us. All these things that are coming against us, they are going to be shattered. They are going to be crushed. They're going to come to nothing because God is with us. God is with us. And, and you know, the nation of Israel had to go through a phase where they held on to this promise and this hope, but then they too were shattered because they too ended up going into exile. And they had to reimagine what the future would look like. And so the, the hope of the Messiah to come again and to bring about this deliverance was a part of this Emmanuel wanting again that God would be with us, his rule, his reign, which is kind of the second meaning. We want God's rule to be over us, God's reign. And looking back, we see that Israel longed for the Messiah to be that of protection, that of security from the other empires for restoration, that he would restore their kingdom, both the northern and the southern kingdoms, like it was under David, that there would be this unity, this development. And it was what they longed for. It was what they waited for. And so they had to reimagine and look into this in the sense of the future because it was no longer a part of their present. And and I wonder if we too don't have that, where we've had an awareness that God is with us and we believe this, but it seems so crazy right now. And we have to reimagine what this is going to look like and how God is going to show up. How is deliverance going to take place? What does it look like? Because for them, it ended up looking totally different than what they thought it would be. It was also a longing for shalom, where all is right. Things can rest and be at peace. Peace between me and God. Peace between me and my neighbor. Peace between me and creation. And so when we read Matthew, we hear him telling them that this prophecy that you longed for is fulfilled in the person of Christ, this baby that God has come to us in the language of our own humanity and has brought us a security that nothing can take away. As Jesus would say, nothing can separate us 
from his love. Jesus' last words in the gospel was that he would never leave us or forsake us in Matthew's gospel. And Jesus is leaning into creation with this hope. John would then tell us in John 16, 33, I have said these things, Jesus speaking, that in me you may have peace. Isn't that what we want? We want the peace. We want the security. In the world you will have tribulation. Rats. I didn't want that. I just wanted the peace. I wanted the security. I wanted to get away from the fear. I wanted to get away from the tribulation. I wanted to get away from the trouble. And he goes on and he says, but take heart. Or some translations will say, take courage. I have overcome the world. So in Jesus, we not only experience God with us, but we also experience the one who has overcome the world. But if you're like me, you have some questions here, right? Okay, What part of the world did Jesus overcome? Because it doesn't seem like the world is really being overcome with the goodness of Jesus right now. Right? Anyone with me on that? I I mean, there is global pandemic, broken economies, divided nations, injustice, racism, corruption on the highest levels. In what way has Jesus overcome this world? Because it looks like it's just the same chaotic mess that it's been for a long, long time. And before I started the Advent series, I was doing a series called The Politics of Jesus. I intentionally called it The Politics of Jesus because I wanted to rattle some thoughts. Because politics is one of those things that usually stirs people up in a lot of ways. Because the politics of Jesus was dealing with what God really is dealing with. What God wants to overcome is not nations and their economies. What God wants to overcome is not the laws that we put. What God wants to overcome is the human heart, the pinnacle of his creation. What what God is wanting to, to reign in is us. And so when they were looking for deliverance from the powers that be, when we look for deliverance from these things, maybe our eyes are going to the wrong place and we're seeing what we really need deliverance from isn't these powers and isn't just these things. What we need to be delivered from is the human condition that is broken and that is lost. The human condition that uses people for their own gain. Because if we can change the hearts of people, we can change everything, right? When there is love, there is no need for the law. And you think about that. If you really cared about someone, there is no need for a law because I'm not going to injure them. In any way, I'm going to do what is best and safest for them. I'm going to do what I can to help them. Why? Because that is what's ruling my heart. We are the ones who have stewardship over one another and the world we live in. If God changes us, he changes everything. And I think it's telling that in the past couple years, I know a lot of people who have left their churches because of their politics. I don't know any that have left their politics because of their churches. And I wonder what we have allegiance to. 
What is most important to us? What is God really concerned about? I think the church is meant to be like a mustard seed that would grow and grow throughout the world in the hearts of people. It grows in small and even subversive ways. It grows when we decide to not give in to the consumerism and buy gifts for kids who are underprivileged instead of just getting ourselves more things. Right? When we give money towards teens who are in foster care because we want them to know that they are seen, not forgotten, and loved, and that that's going to be an important part of how we live out this season. And, and yeah, it's, it's a drop in the ocean, but it's also a part of a wave that's been moving since Christ came and is moving still, and that I believe is going to continue and, and this is the hope, this is the promise that God is with us and that we can take courage, we can have heart, that he's not going to leave us, he's not going to forsake us, that he is with us to the end of the age. And shame on us if we allow disagreement to get in the way of the great commission to help all humanity to become more like Jesus Shame on us if we can be so easily sidetracked and divided by partisan politics or whether you are or aren't vaccinated. Shame on us if we don't see that the promise of God with us is far-reaching into the future where God is making all things new instead of just settling down into our own comfortable lives trying to make us more into his image and the change that needs to take place for that to happen. When Jesus said, take heart, he is saying to be courageous, to live into the hope of his kingdom in a world that does not recognize him or this hope. To take heart even when we or our loved ones are struggling, that God is with us. God is with us in our trouble. God is with us when we decide to be generous, even though we have little resources or energy, God is with us in how we interact with those we disagree with politically or in other ways. God is with us and it shows up in the smallest as well as the biggest ways because it changes, he changes our hearts. And if he's changing my heart, I can take courage that he is overcoming the world and he's doing it through us. We are the signpost that God is with us, not just in our best, but in our sickness, when we've lost our jobs or lost our family members. God is with us. We are the signpost declaring good news. And how do we do that? I think of Paul who prayed three times to be delivered from what he called the thorn in the flesh. And God said, my grace is enough. My strength is perfected in weakness. Take heart 
We listen for the voice when fear shakes us like the trees. We take heart because God is still speaking and he shows up even in our weakness when we don't feel it and when we don't see it. That God is working deeper than the surface that the world focuses on and that he's changing the character of humanity starting with us. In all these ways, we are to take heart because this promise of Emmanuel is the promise we hold on to and is the promise that we lean into. I want to end with two questions. In what ways do you feel Jesus' words, take heart, apply to you this day? And what does being courageous look like to you? How can we be courageous in the gospel at this time in the world we are living in, in our country, in our city, at our jobs, schools? How can this Christmas story grow in how we live. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for challenging us and leaning into us through the person of Christ. And Father, it's hard for me to see how you have overcome the world when I just see the headlines and and am given to fear. It's hard to see how you are with us when so many of the people who I love are struggling, hurting, sick, and going through difficult things. It's hard to understand these things, and, and yet it's at this time that you're telling us to take heart, to take courage, that you've overcome the world. And, and so I pray you would give us eyes to see how you are overcoming. And may that first begin with how you are overcoming within us. How you are moving us from who we were to who we can be and how we can look more like Christ. Lord, I'd, I pray that that would be an encouragement to us that we could look back and see the change and look forward and know that you began a good work. You will continue it in each of us. And as we're praying, these questions that I had asked, what ways does Jesus' words to take heart, how do they apply to you today? Maybe you're at a place right now where you have not taken to heart Jesus' words where you have not seen him as being God with us or the one who has overcome the world. And your eyes have to shift from the horizon to the heavens and recognize that there is more going on than you understand, that I understand, or that we see. And maybe even now that is taking place within your heart. I pray that you would make that adjustment that you could take heart.
and trust that Jesus is at work, his kingdom is at hand, that you would change your mind and believe the good news, that his kingdom is here and it's showing up in the lives of those who follow him. And for those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, may this be a realigning of our lives to the character of God. And may we reevaluate once again how we are living and how we are showing the kingdom of God present with us. The nearness of God, if it does not show up through his people, how will it show up? And so we are challenged by these things, and I pray we would take that challenge to heart and put it into our lives. Lord, again, thank you for this time. We do thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And may the God of peace reign in your hearts through Christ. May you not be shaken by the fear that surrounds you, but hold on to the promise and take courage that Christ has overcome the world and may we be a part of his victory in how we live. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Christmas. We don't see Christmas morning. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.